I know what you're thinking. You can't possibly do it all. You can't have a relationship. You can't have your passions. You can't have a full-time job. You can't balance it. You can't manage your schedule. It is impossible. And I get it because at once upon a time, I was that person too. I thought you had to stay in one lane all the time and give that your 100% effort. But becoming a multi-passionate woman is one of the best things that you can do if you so choose because you learn so many different things about yourself, what you're capable of, and what you're interested in. And it's exactly what I want to talk about today because the naysayers will tell you that you can't, but we're here to prove that you can. I've got Sarah Beth Lawhorn on the show, and my goodness, she is the perfect representative of the multi-passionate woman. She's a full-time radiology technologist. She's a health and fitness advocate. She's a previous Miss Ohio USA 2015, but that doesn't even touch the surface of what she's accomplished. She is an outdoors woman who has a passion for hunting and archery. She has been featured on HGTV, Log Cabin Living, The Outdoor Channel, the For Love or Likes show. She's happily married to the man of her dreams, Cody, and she's also an absolute sweetheart. I mean, this woman kills it and anything that she does, and she's so down to earth. But I really admire the level of balance that she has. She has been able to find a method that works for her and is still continuing to inspire others to implement their own method through her social media and her work as an influencer. So that's what we're getting into today, guys. We're getting into that balance, into that passion, handling multiple things, handling criticism, handling the opinions of others, and why this is going to make you the best version of yourself. So I'm going to stop right there. It's Kelly Hall. This is Misunderstood. Let's understand something today that you did not understand before because you're going to walk away with a better understanding of yourself. Let's dive in, guys. So good morning. We have Sarah on the show, Sarah Beth Lawhorn. That's now, you used to go by Sarah Beth Newkirk, obviously, before you got married. So now are you full-fledged Sarah Beth Lawhorn? Yeah, okay. name has been changed now for two and a half years. Oh, wow. I, I have a couple of friends who still on Instagram have their maiden names, and I get really confused about what to call them. <laughs> and I know. I have friends at my phone still, like, under their maiden name, and I keep forgetting to change it. And I remember you from pageantry as Sarah Beth Newkirk. Miss Ohio. And so now, now I'm used to seeing your Instagram as Sarah Beth Lawhorn. So I've had to mentally, mentally make that change, but I'm so happy to have you on the show because I think you're the absolute best example of someone who is misunderstood, but you're so positive and nice. And you kind of just, you know, you post and you share so fluidly and I think it's important for people to understand kind of what goes behind the scenes, what's involved in what you do. Um, so kind of just explain, you know, how you even got into hunting. That's what you're known for. You've been featured on several shows. You have this huge platform. And as an amazingly beautiful and talented woman, it's so rare to see. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Of I'm course. excited to talk about this because it is something I believe is totally misunderstood about me and also about the hunting industry. So I got started in hunting at a young age. Growing up, I grew up in a small rural town in Southern Ohio. 
And so everything that I did with my dad and my brother, we were outdoors. We would go hunting, fishing, trapping. And this is kind of how I grew up. And it was always really fun for me. It was more of a hobby Mm -hmm. in the time I could spend quality time with my dad and my brother. And it didn't really become a passion until about my mid-20s. Oh, wow. So a little bit later. Yeah. That's – well, and you were doing so much before – you full-fledged got into hunting, right? When you were younger, you were competing in pageants and doing all these different things. So as you started balancing these multiple passions, I'm sure you had a lot of people telling you, no, no, like, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And how did you deal with the negativity of, you know, everyone's opinions? Yeah. So from a young age, I've always been the personality type that I've just been very driven And I've set high dreams for myself. I think my parents raised me to believe, you know, I can achieve anything if I put my full heart and my soul into it. So that's kind of how I am with anything I do in life. I love that. And I do think sometimes people are intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the negativity and the hate maybe doesn't come from a bad place. It's more their way of coping with their insecurity. Yeah. And so I try to think of it in that sense. But over the years, I have been bullied for being really thin. Um, I've been told I wasn't pretty enough to model. And when I competed in Miss Ohio, when I first started as a newbie, I was told I would never win. Most recently, the thing I've dealt with over the last 10 years was that people would say that women can't hunt and there's not a place for them in the hunting industry. And there have been times that this has really gotten me down. But with maturity and experience, I've learned to just ignore the haters Mm -hmm. And to block out the negativity and just to continue to push toward my goals. And I'm happy that we're kind of starting with this right off the bat because I know you and I talked separately. You found success in so many different areas, but I think from the outside, people see social media or they see photos and they see what you are now, but they don't get that struggle. And I think you and I are fortunate that we had parents that supported us. So hopefully platforms like this encourages, you know, maybe young girls that are out there or college students who are out there listening who don't have that support system, that it's still okay to go against the status quo because obviously you ignored what everyone was saying and then you still continue to have success in these industries, which is absolutely amazing. So you were modeling and doing pageants. I mean, tell me about that experience of what, Did you gain what you thought you would? I mean, how did you even start? Well, when I started competing at Miss Ohio USA, um, well, before that, I had no interest in doing beauty pageants or modeling. I was always a tomboy. And someone approached me at a festival and said, hey, I think you should compete in Miss Ohio USA. No way. Yeah. so funny. (laughs) And so I was like, wow. Okay. So I looked it up online. And it was actually, uh, they hosted it in Portsmouth, Ohio then. Okay. So it was only about 30 minutes from where I lived at the time. So my mom and I went to watch that year. And after watching the competition, I just thought, wow, this is something I really want to do. I was shy and I was insecure at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was something that would help me. How old were you? So when I, probably the first time that I watched Miss Ohio, I think was, I was 19. Oh, wow. Okay. So super young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first time I competed was after college. I was 21 and I tried to fit this mold Mm -hmm. that I thought they expected. 
my first few years of competing, I did this. And, you know, I thought, oh, they want the typical pageant girl and I'm going to be that. And it wasn't until I really was my true self that I started to do well. Mm -hmm. And I ended up winning the year that I feel like I was the most true to myself and just proud of who I am. How old were you when you won? 25. Okay. I think, yeah, that makes sense because there's that whole age of, I don't know, 19 to 22, 23. You're so unsure of who you're becoming. And, you know, people like you obviously have these like special skills and talents and unique abilities, but it's almost not popular to be different or to be doing different things or to have different interests. And so you suppress it. And I'm happy that you embrace that because obviously the judges saw something amazing in you and you were an incredible Miss Ohio. Well, thank you. I was definitely a standout and completely different than all the other competitors that year, that year for sure. That's, that's awesome. So whenever you were going through, you know, being Miss Ohio USA, were you kind of still struggling with people telling you who to be, or were you, you know, hunting back then and really exploring these passions or, you know, or were you still embracing everything that you are today? Yes. So as Miss Ohio USA, I did embrace hunting and archery as part of my platform. And it, it was discouraged in some ways, just because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't support hunting. Mm-hmm. And in the pageant industry, it seems like there's more uh, that don't support it than do. But I wanted to remain true to myself. Honestly, I would rather um, win being myself or lose being myself than win being someone I'm not. Yeah. And so I wanted to stay true to who I was when I competed at Miss USA. And um, there were a lot of negative opinions, but at that point in my life, I was strong and I was independent and I was able to take the opinions with stride and just kind of like brush them off my shoulders. And I feel like that's also kind of what helped you prepare later for what you're going to face. And especially in like the large platform that you have. And so early on, kind of what are some of the biggest adversities you've faced as a female in this hunting industry? It's so unique and different. Yeah. Well, as you know, hunting is a male-driven sport. Mm -hmm. Even in historic times, men would hunt and the women would stay home and they were expected to cook and clean and take care of the kids. And times have changed now. Um, there are more women hunting, but it's, there's still this stigma that women should not hunt or they're not skilled enough or knowledgeable enough to hunt and that we should just leave it to the men. And as a fem- female hunter, this has been my biggest challenge that I do face. And I get that from male hunters and even people who do not hunt at all. Um, I get comments like, I'm too pretty to be able to hunt or my dad probably shot that deer and I'm just taking a picture with it trying to show off. Oh my God. I do get those, those negative opinions from people. Surprisingly, even other female hunters that are in the hunting industry have been judgmental of me just because of my past with pageantry and modeling. They think, oh, she's a pretty girl. Like she doesn't know what she's doing. Of course. That's crazy. And that mm-hmm. always makes me more upset. I mean, probably shouldn't, but when women comment like mm-hmm. women will comment about me being in uniform and doing pageants and they'll say like, you know, you, it's, it's inappropriate for a, a female naval officer to be standing in a bikini. And like, that's more offensive than even a man saying that because we're the very people that should be supporting each other. 
Exactly. You and should build each other up. Yes. In a sport that is more male driven. Because, like, you know, the men, they're, all, they're already going to be just a little curious and unsure when they see a female kind of kicking butt and taking names and something like hunting. But the women just need to, you know, not be so questionable, just support regardless. But like you said, it's the insecurities. And it's so good that you pointed that out because for those who are listening, no matter what you're facing, I think it's interesting to kind of flip it from the viewpoint of the person who's criticizing and remember Mm -hmm. that, People only share those negative opinions if they're having trouble accept, accepting something themselves. It's exactly. the only reason why. So, so you're bullied kind of a lot online. And was that, I mean, kind of right off the bat? And like, what happens today? Now your following is huge and you've been featured on so many things publicly and on TV and things like that. Like, how do you continue to deal with this? And what can you tell listeners? How do you combat it well yeah it's something I've dealt with as I've grown my following and will continue to deal with as I get more followers and I'm aware of this Um, so I just ignore other people's opinions I don't take it to heart I just continue to work harder and push toward my goals and just be consistent with my passions honestly if it's something someone truly believes in and they're passionate about you don't have to defend yourself your actions are going to speak for themselves and you're going to prove those people wrong so don't even put the effort in or um, of making it of being upset because it's not going to do anything for your growth. Yeah, and I have to stop and challenge myself in the same way because when I receive negative comments, sometimes I so badly want to respond because people's ignorance blow my mind away. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, not even worth feeding into it. Just absolutely yeah. not. And then just delete it and kind of look the other way. You're not going to change their mind or their opinion most of the time. And yeah, and but you can. I mean, people who are reaching out and are being negative or even approaching you in person are being negative. To me, their minds are already made up. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a job to do, you know, as powerful women to maybe push those who are unclear or maybe unsure of what they believe and make it known like women can do both or women can be pretty and do x y or z and that's kind of what I try to cater my audience more toward is to those people who you know they're not judgmental but they're just unaware they don't they don't know what they don't know like they don't know that women can be beautiful models and hunt or they don't know that women can be in uniform and do pageants but Mm -hmm. they're open-minded to that idea Mm -hmm. so like you said just not even giving it a thought when people are being negative to you and just keep speaking your message. I think that that's so powerful. Yeah. And also I think there are so many amazing, amazing women out there that don't share the unique things about them Mm -hmm. just because they don't think that it's that special. But to other people, it may be totally unique and special. There's women that can do carpentry and, you know, woodworking and all kinds, you know, work on cars and really unique things. But when you just look at their social media, they just look, you know, like a normal everyday woman that, you know, goes to work and has a family. So I think women also need to be proud to showcase their unique abilities. Yes, I, I completely agree. I think some women forget to celebrate that mm-hmm. they're different. Or like you said, they don't even know they're different. So like, don't be afraid to 
speak out about your passions because you never know who you're going to inspire. I mean, I feel like you have probably already inspired an entire generation, if not the generation behind you, to look into hunting or, you know, let them know that it's okay for them to do both if they want to be a tomboy or and be a girly girl and be in pageants. And I think that that's absolutely amazing. And on that note, I mean, how for you, how is hunting empowering and why do you continue to encourage others to hunt? It's, it's very empowering, especially as a female, because not only are you learning survival skills, but you're able to provide uh, yourself and your family with 100% organic meat in, instead of going to a grocery store. Especially in times like now where the grocery stores are limited with meat, you realize how important it is to be able to be self-sufficient and how that is a huge skill that not a lot of people have. Um, it does take a lot of um, skills, and I've learned a lot through hunting, learned responsibility, dedication, patience, strength, independence, and uh, how to put in hard work. And also, I feel like you've, ha- you've had people empower you through this process. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have an awesome husband that you also do this with. I mean... Tell us a little bit what what it's like to have a partner, you know, who encourages you and what would you share with the women out there who, you know, are maybe scared to share their passions because they think that others, you know, might make fun of them or might poke fun at them. You know, how did you find this partner that helped support you so much? When I met Cody and he, he already hunted, he grew up hunting too. Um, He was actually a little nervous to go hunting with me because he had never been hunting with a woman before. No, no way. Yeah. And so (laughs) our first time hunting together, we were probably dating about three or four months and we went turkey hunting and he quickly learned that he could take me seriously. I ended up shooting a turkey that day and it was awesome. Oh, nice. I love it. But since then, we have been hunting partners um, in everything, partners in life, partners in all of our hobbies, workouts. Uh, We do everything together. I think that a lot of couples have different hobbies and that's okay, but I think it's really important to strengthen your relationship is to try out each other's hobbies together. Like if you want him to try your hobbies, you're going to have to try his and that'll strengthen you as a couple. And you might find that you really enjoy something that they do that you never even realized you would actually enjoy. So, and that brings up another point. So, you know, you have really broken away from the pack. As I mentioned before, you know, you've been featured on HGTV and you and your husband have been on television, on your own shows. But was it, did you feel like you started separating yourself as a hunter, as an influencer before Cody? Or did you kind of build that platform together? I would say it was more of my own doing. My husband's not a huge social media person. Yeah. He didn't have an Instagram until about a year or two ago when I started (laughs) for him. Oh, that's so funny. I don't don't need an Instagram. I'm like, you do for networking. You need to have one. And so I started it for him. And now he will post occasionally, but he's just not a huge social media person. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. That's fine. He has other goals. We enjoy hunting together as a hobby. It's definitely been more of a passion for me. And as a female, I know it's a way that I can spread my message and people can hear my voice because I am unique as a female hunter. 
And yeah. so I've kind of honed in on that. And that's why I've celebrated it more and encourage it more on social media. Was there a turning point for you? I mean, obviously you were killing it. You're doing amazing things. You're a hunter. You, you have the experience. You look the part. But was there a certain moment or experience when you started realizing or did someone reach out to you to provide you with an opportunity and you kind of knew that, wow, I'm really have an opportunity here to make a difference and your following and your influence just grew tremendously. Yeah. I think I realized a few years ago that I had an opportunity to make a difference. I was just sharing photos and not really thinking of using my voice at that point. And it's when I realized that I have this opportunity that I started to use my voice and really promote my passions about hunting in the outdoors that I started to really grow in the outdoor industry. And I think what has benefited me the most is making connections with people that are already involved in the outdoor industry. You need to network with people and in turn promoting products and gear that you uh, truly believe in and that you will use. Um, You need to be truthful and honest with things that you want to promote Uh, especially with influencing, I believe, um, that you truly believe in those things because people will see through um, if if you don't believe in them. That'll come across. Yeah, and that's something I can talk on an entirely different episode all about and influencing. I feel like there's a huge misunderstanding that influencers are just out pushing products every single second because they get paid. But for me, I feel like a lot of what I post initially is stuff I just believe in mm-hmm. and people end up showing interest because they see how passionate I am about them. And then later I end up, you know, actually getting paid to do it or, you know, get sponsored or something like that. So something I want to really dive in for you, because I, you know, again, you have an amazing, tremendous following, you're sponsored and you know sharing these different brands but what is it really like behind the scenes as an influencer like how can you give some tips on you know how you grew your following how do you network with people and what are some of the best practices that you've seen so far yeah I know that it can definitely be a lot. It can be very overwhelming. Yeah. I I just want to really encourage the younger generation that it is going to be very hard. It's not realistic to to have a career in social media influencing. A lot of Mm -hmm. people think that they think, oh, look, you know, look at her. All she does is just, she's beautiful and she promotes these products and she gets paid and she gets all this free stuff. No, that's not the truth. Um, yes, I do promote some products that I believe in and I, and I get paid for some of them and some of them I don't. Uh, but it's just a supplementation to my income. I work a full-time career. I am an x-ray technologist and I work at an urgent care and doing the social media influencing is just a supplementation because these are products that I already use, that I already enjoy. And I wanna share those with other people because I wanna help them. And so I feel like there's just a huge misunderstanding about social media influencing because there are a lucky few people in the world who are Insta-famous or celebrities that do make a career off this, but it's not a realistic goal. And to just lump everybody in that group because they do influencing, it's, it's just not fair. 
And I love that this is coming from you because you, you have, a, I mean, you have like 95,000 followers. Like that's absolutely incredible. But yet I hear some, there's some girls who are like, oh, I have 2000 followers. Do you think I can start getting paid? Mm-hmm. And as someone who works in social media for the Navy, you know, I have a good idea of kind of what it takes and at what point, you know, and what you can charge. And I don't know how to politely say like, this should not be it mm-hmm. for you. Like, I feel like your passions are number one, and then you grow your following from those passions. And if you end up getting residual income or something like that from it, and that's amazing. Um, but with you having 95,000 followers and being so transparent, I think that's so powerful because it's exactly what people need to understand. Like the struggle is real. You were working full time. We were talking yesterday and you mentioned how you try to make sure you post their quote real job because you're at work hustling. And, you know, as an extra technician, like it's no joke. And people think that you aren't doing it full time. I think that's crazy. Yeah, it is. But I have realized that I was not sharing my career very much on social media. So that's something that I've worked on because I do not want to give people the misconception um, about my social media. One thing that everyone does with social media is you post the best things in your life, the exciting things Mm -hmm. that are happening, your trips you're going on, and you forget to share those everyday things that you, you know, everyone goes through a career, how busy you are, maybe negative things that happens in your life. And you forget to share those sides of you. And so I'm trying to be more transparent so people can be more relatable to me and say, hey, you know, what? she also works a full time job and she's able to do all these hobbies and have these other passions other than her work. Like, how does she do that? Um, How does she find the time? And so maybe I can help people see, you know, that that they can make the time and that they can also be successful, uh, you know, with their passions other than their career. Uh, yes. And with that, Sarah, how do you do it? I mean, you have, I mean, I can't even think about all of the things that you're balancing right now, obviously, full time job as an x ray technician, not to mention we have COVID-19 mm-hmm. in the world today. So you're balancing that and you have, you know, a husband and a marriage and a house and a log cabin and you love fitness and you're really just a very multi-passionate woman, which is, I think, why we have so much in common because we don't just stay in one lane. We have multiple lanes. But, I mean, what do you do? How do you balance it all? How have you learned to make things a priority over others? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm very busy. I do a lot. And I do get eight hours of sleep a night, surprisingly. You would think I would only sleep like (laughs) six hours a night. But the most important thing is organization. I always use right. a planner. I go through my planner multiple times a day. And I- you have like a hard copy mm-hmm. yeah. notebook planner. I, like <laughs> I love it. And then I also have it in my phone. So just in case I don't have my, my book planner with me, it's always in my phone. And I make a lot of lists. So my tips would be to set realistic goals and make sure you complete them. So usually I'll try okay. to set my goals. I'll set future goals like for this month, for next month, for the year. And then I will set weekly goals and daily goals. And I try to make those realistic so I can complete them. And um, I always plan ahead. So as far as like fitness and healthy diet goes, we go to the grocery store one day a week. 
We make sure to plan out our meals and our workouts, and we always set time aside. So typically we'll work out, we'll set aside one hour, four times a week for a workout, and then um, an hour, three times a week for our hobbies, or maybe we'll do um, that on the weekend. You really need to prioritize what is important to you. And if you have a plan, it's easier to achieve those goals. I always try to look at it, especially working out or recording a podcast or running a business or when I was competing in pageants, you have to make it as serious as a job mm-hmm. and you have, you owe it to yourself to do that because obviously with work, you know, there's expectations and there's bosses and you're receiving a salary and like you absolutely have to do what you're responsible for in your career. But personally, you also owe it to yourself to hold yourself as accountable as you do in your job. So that's something that when Austin and I started dating, when I was single, it was much easier to balance going to the gym and, you know, every afternoon after work or, you know, or making time to work on pageant training or coaching. But then when you bring someone else into your life, I was like, no, going to the gym is important. I have a scheduled time three times a week, four times a week, and I go. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to carve out that time and really honor it and – you know, he ends up really respecting that because maybe that means I can't always go to a happy hour or I can't just sit and watch Netflix for two hours, but it's because I want to honor what's important mm-hmm. you have to be and treat it like a job. You have to be accountable and limiting your social media time and TV time. Like we don't watch a lot of TV. We don't, mm-hmm. um, Cody and I, when we're hanging out together in the evenings, we don't do a lot of social media I try to do that during the day. That way, my time with Cody is I'm not distracted. Mm-hmm. So, And we also try to coordinate our schedules. Like we'll go work out together. That way, we're getting in some quality time while we're at the gym mm-hmm. because we do have limited time where we get to see each other. So we just try to make the most of those times that we do have. So whenever – I'm going to go back to goal setting real quick. So you said you wanted to set realistic goals. Can you give an example to listeners while, you know, maybe they're ordering their planners online right now from Amazon? Um, what would you – what's an example of like a daily goal that's attainable or a weekly goal or a monthly goal or your long-term goals that you set for yourself? Yeah. Let me think about that for a minute. So daily, I always – usually do a workout except on the days I work because I work 12 hour shifts. So I will write out in my planner, you know, on the days I'm off that you know I'm going to do a workout um, for social media. I'll do, I'm going to do a fitness post or I'm going to do an inspirational post. I will actually write that down in my planner so that oh, me too. Yes, I love that. that day, <laughs> I will be reminded and I won't forget. Sometimes I'll even plan posts ahead of time. Um, that way I already have it in there and it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And for, archive is an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. And for future goals, you know, we set goals for things we want to accomplish at our house. Like we want to refinish our bathroom. And so, you know, we'll set goals like that. Um, you know, reading self-help or motivational books, things like that. Yeah. And that's, I love that you say that because I think most people, when they think of goals, they think, oh, what do you want to do in 10 years? Or like, where do you want to be in your career? And they don't realize that a personal goal can be something as simple as, okay, carving out three hours a week for the gym, you know, or 
saving $1,000 in six months, you know, something like that. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Or I have a friend who's building her blog and her goal is just to post every single day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, holding herself accountable to post every day, which is, you know, it's crazy, but it's something that you have to do if building an online presence is something that you want. Yeah, you have so to be consistent, I think, especially if you're building your brand. Yeah. Consistency will pay off in the long run. Was there some, like, along the road, as you've kind of dabbled in all these different passions, I mean, was there a moment when you realized you really nailed your brand? Because now it's, you're so consistent. I mean, you mentioned you have, like, inspirational posts, you have motivational posts, you sprinkle in your fitness. But I think when people follow you, they see they're getting well, maybe I'm biased because I already know you, but I feel like you're seeing someone who's genuine, who sees, who's balancing, you know, relationship. I love that you incorporate things with your husband, um, but you come across as a powerhouse without really being intimidating. I mean, did it take time for you to figure out exactly what your brand was? Oh, thank you for saying that. Honestly, of course, I would say, well, I knew my passions, obviously. But mm-hmm. I, I still feel like that I haven't totally hit my brand. Um, more recently, I've gotten to the fitness realm of things because I have always been passionate about fitness and nutrition, but it's not something I shared on social media. And I realized that I can help a lot of people that need fitness advice or you know need workout advice. So now I've started to kind of sprinkle that in there. And I still feel like since I do have a lot of hobbies and interests, I'm still trying to find kind of my brand. That's why more mm-hmm. recently I've started to separate my Instagram because I, I want to do just a solely a hunting Instagram page and then more of my real life page. And so I've started my new Instagram page, Lethal Lawhorn. And that's kind of, oh, yeah, yeah. it's up and going. I've started a blog with that as well. And then a YouTube that's channel. Awesome. Because there are some people that they just solely want to only see hunting content. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of separated that out. So I am still working on my brand. Um, I'm growing a lot. It's crazy. People think, wow, you have almost 100,000 followers. Like you're famous. Or how does that feel? I feel exactly the same as I did when I had 10,000 followers. Yes, I'm stronger. Right. Um, I've learned a lot. And, you know, I've grown as a woman. But personally, you know, I, I feel like the same person that I have always been. And I think that's something that will never change with me. And that's who I want to be. I want to be someone that's genuine and relatable and can help other people. You know what I, and I've shared this with a couple other women, like as your Instagram following grows, I don't feel any different. I kind of just feel like my inbox is more full. Uh-huh, <laughs> and, exactly. You know, maybe you can ne- you network more. Like when you get to a certain point, I feel like the benchmark is around 10,000. Like once you've hit 10,000, then you really can get your foot in the door more with brands mm-hmm. or companies or people want to connect with you more. But there's so many women placing all this pressure and men too who are listening that they need, they're like, oh, it's all about followers, followers, followers. Like I need to get more followers. I need to hashtag this and hashtag that. And that's great. But I think it's about intention. You know, why do you want more followers? Because with more followers comes more responsibility, comes 
more engagement comes more messages and more bullying. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that comes with it. So there's not much that changes like once you reach that exactly. point. Like so which I would, is funny. I would rather have 10,000 loyal followers that support me and encourage me and yes. motivate me and that we have a relationship where I know who they are mm-hmm. and we can communicate. Honestly, I would prefer to have that than 200,000 followers that I can't even put a face to a name. I, Mm -hmm. you know, they follow me, but then put negative comments. You need to think about the quality of your followers and not the quantity because quality is more important in anything in life. It's just like friends. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, unfortunately, you can't, maybe not, you're you're not friends with all 10,000 of your followers, but I completely agree. You know, I'd rather have three or four amazing supportive friends who challenge me positively in every way of life than 56 women who talk about me behind my back and like don't get what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. Same exact thing online. I've learned with – I think on my Lieutenant Hall account, I can restrict comments based on just people who follow me. So that has helped a little bit with like the negativity online. But all in all, like you said, it's about what your passions Mm -hmm. are, what your intention is, what message you want to share. And as long as you're doing that, I mean, whether you have 500,000 followers or 10. Exactly. Don't feel like. Your message is going to get heard. Don't feel like because you only have 1,000 followers that your message isn't important. It is just as important, and you never know who's going to read that and whose life you may change. Exactly. And I feel like, um, you know, I I told this to you yesterday, but I remember early on when I was dating someone in Ohio, they, like, pulled your Instagram up. And they were like, oh, my gosh, look at this, like, amazing hunting (laughs) couple that I follow. And I was like, wait, I think I know her. Um, You know, just people you don't even know that are inspired by you which is awesome. And the same thing with Miss Ohio. I remember when I first got into competing at Miss Ohio, um, that was the year Megan Ray Wise, now Megan McAllister. She just got married too. Um, So she was Miss Ohio at the time, but I remember meeting girls at orientation and them telling me like, oh, Sarah Beth Newkirk was my favorite Miss Ohio. (laughs) I know. It's, It's You never know who you're going to touch, which is why you keep doing what you're doing, regardless of the scrutiny and the haters and all of the misunderstandings. Like it's worth to push it to touch even a couple people. Exactly. So finally, so we get into our last question. I've got to ask, how do you feel the most misunderstood? In every area of your life, whether it's hunting or, you know, being a female in your industry or competing in pageants, consistently, you know, what do you face and what do you feel as the biggest misunderstanding of what people see in you? People judge you by your looks. Sadly so. Mm-hmm. With everything, all the awareness, never judge people with, by their looks. It still happens. And sadly, you know, I'm judged by my looks. People think oh she's pretty and she was a pageant girl and she's done some modeling and they immediately think that you're not intelligent you can't be a hunter uh, you can't do this you can't do that and you just have to ignore that you can't let that get you down and you can't let that stop you from achieving your goals because their opinion of you does not matter 
It doesn't matter if they think you're the greatest person in the world or the worst person in the world. It's not going to help you achieve your goals. It's so true. And something that a lot of people don't realize, it's like there's discrimination in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And just because you wear makeup or you're feminine Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're any less qualified Mm -hmm. for what you do. Exactly. Well, I think you are kick butt and amazing. Thank you. I think you are. Keep. Oh, well, thanks. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying over here. I mean, like you just said, you're starting all your YouTube channels and your platform. I mean, same for me. All, life is just a growing, growing learning process. So, you know, I've competed in pageants too, and I'm in the Navy, and I haven't nailed down my brand or nailed down my platform. But if we just keep trying and keep speaking our mm-hmm. voice, I think ultimately we're going to inspire someone along the yes. way. And that's all that matters. And that's so. my goal. Well, thank you. Exactly. That's the goal. Well, give our, all of our listeners uh, your Instagram. How can they find you or follow you on any of your channels? Yeah, so Instagram is at Sarah Beth Lawhorn and at Lethal Lawhorn for my hunting page. Lethal Lawhorn for my YouTube. And my new blog is uh, www.lethallawhorn.com. Awesome. So lethal. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Please be safe. Thank Thank you you. so much for your service because what you're doing right now is really amazing. You're taking care of so many people through this pandemic and that in itself is inspiring among everything else you're doing. I really appreciate that. And I've enjoyed today. It's been a lot of fun. Good, good. Well, thanks for being on Misunderstood. Everyone go give her a follow and hopefully you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye. Bye guys. Hey, you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you have 10 seconds of your time, please take time to go to Apple or Spotify and rate my podcast. 10 seconds of your time means the absolute world to me. Also, you can follow me and all of my upcoming episodes on my Instagram at misunderstood.podcast and follow me on at Kelly Renee Hall for any updates. Thanks so much for your support, guys. Keep tuning in on Misunderstood.